Welcome to the Boone's Creek Baptist Church podcast. We are a church that exists to spread God's glory from our neighbors to the nations. This is Pastor Tim Wade, and we pray that you will be blessed as we consider God's living, active, and all-sufficient Word together. Church, it is good to be prayed over, to be prayed for. It is such an encouragement every week to have men come and, and pray for the preaching of God's Word before it's to take place. But I, I hope that you know as well that you, as you sit where you sit right now, you have been prayed for this week. You've been prayed over as we prepare for this service so that you would be able to delight in the Lord and receive His Word. And I pray that that would take place even now as we open together God's Word. And I would invite you as we do that to turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. Last week we began looking at the hypocrite's favorite Bible verse. Jesus' commandment to judge not, found here in the Sermon on the Mount. And we said that that within these verses, which are regularly used to shut down any kind of criticism coming from a Christian perspective, there is indeed a prohibition against judging wrongly. Jesus does not want us to judge wrongly. Specifically, Jesus teaches us that we should not be hypercritical or overly harsh in our judgments, nor should we be hypocritical. In our judgments, Jesus warns us against both things here. He says, do not judge like this. Do not be overly harsh because with the same measure you judge, so too you will be judged. Do not be hypocritical in your judgments either. However, I told you last week that alongside the prohibitions against judging wrongly found in this text, there is also a clear expectation, as we will see today, that Christians are to judge and discern rightly. This week we'll be looking at that positive aspect of judgment. Because like most things that we'll find in the Bible, there is balance here. There's an understanding that we need to avoid the pitfalls on one hand and on the other and take the middle path. This is not a blanket prescription against any kind of judgment like so many people make it out to be. But rather, Jesus is showing us what it looks like to exercise Christian judgment in a way that avoids overly harsh criticism and hypocrisy, but still protects and preserves the integrity of the gospel with which we have been entrusted. And so today, we will see what that kind of judgment looks like. The kind of judgment that avoids the hypercriticism and the hypocritical judgment, but also protects and preserves the gospel. It begins, as we will see, with detecting our own planks. Then we must differentiate our process. We'll see in that that different situations and different people call for different kinds of responses. And finally, Jesus calls us to defend our pearls. So then, let us turn together to the word of our Lord as we consider dogs, swine, and Christian judgment. If you are able, would you please stand together with me as we read the word of God. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. 
There the Word of God says to us, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give to dogs what is holy. And do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. And let's once more this morning turn to the Lord in prayer. O God, as we come before you, we do so with great humility. Recognizing that within these six short verses, there is a very difficult task that's given to us, your people. On the one hand, we must not judge wrongly. Yet at the same time, we must also be able to see clearly to help our brothers and sisters remove specks from their eyes. We must also know who it is that are the dogs and swine and pigs that we have to avoid throwing the precious holy things of God before So God, as we try to walk this path of faithful judgment and discernment, Lord, I just ask that you'd help us to do it. We can't do this on our own. We will inevitably mess up and fail. We will become overly harsh in our judgments. We will tend to be hypocritical because of our reluctance to examine ourselves. And sometimes we just won't judge at all. Because we're afraid of receiving the rebuke, judge not. So Lord, grant us understanding from your word. And through that understanding, help us as a church to be strengthened, to be equipped, to be prepared to exercise sound judgment. Lord, keep my lips from error and my heart from ill intent. And may your Holy Spirit work and move among your people this morning. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We begin in our examination of these verses today where we left off last week. We saw last week that that Jesus warned us about hypocritical judgment. But today we see in these verses, these very same verses, that, that in His warning against hypocritical judgment, Jesus is not at all suggesting that the way to avoid hypocritical judgment is to never judge at all. Instead, the way to avoid hypocritical judgment is to remove whatever sinful defect within us makes that judgment hypocritical. In other words, Jesus tells us, detect your own planks or your own logs that you have jutting out of your eyeball." This conspicuous sin that goes before you that makes your judgment of other people hypocritical. As we look at this, we see this is an example of where the grammar of a particular verse matters. The very words that Jesus speaks matters. You can see this right here in your Bibles. Look at verse 5. Jesus says that we are hypocrites 
When we try to remove a speck from our brother or sister's eye, while ignoring the log, or your version may say the plank, I used plank because it fits with the alliterative points here a little bit better. But, but Jesus says, first, remove the plank, the log, from your own eye. In other words, we judge the small sins, the specks of those around us, while ignoring the larger sins that we ourselves are guilty of. That's what makes our judgments hypocritical. We look at other people, we judge them, we, we condemn them without first taking a critical look at our own lives. So what's the solution? Is Jesus suggesting that we allow people to go around with specks in their eyes? I don't know if you've ever had something in your eye. right? It doesn't take much to become a real problem. Right? If you've got something in your eye, it doesn't matter how little it is, you've got to get that booger out of there. Right? And, and you need people to, to help you, and, and, and you've got to flush it out or, or get something. You, you've got to get that thing out. You can't go about your life with a, a speck or a splinter or, or whatever it is in your eye. It's, it's impossible to rest, to go about your business. So, so Jesus isn't suggesting that we just allow people to go around with specks in their eyes because we've got planks in our eyes, just going around, you know, ignoring these big problems. No, Jesus says we should fix both problems. We should address both of these issues, but it begins with us. He says, first, take the plank out of your own eye. Examine your own lives and examine well. This is why this morning, even during communion, the ordinance of communion is an opportunity for us to do this very thing. For us to participate in this kind of necessary self-examination. Paul instructs us in this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 28 and 31, through 31. He says, let a person examine himself and then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. Paul tells us to examine yourself first. To to remove those planks in your eyes. to, To find the sins in your life that need to be repented of, and then deal with that. He he says that if you do this, if you eat and drink without discerning the body, you eat and drink judgment on yourself. What he's saying there is, is we have to recognize what Jesus has done for us. Jesus said that your sin was so heinous, was so wicked and vile, that the only way that it could be dealt with is that if the perfect, spotless, sinless infinitely valuable, infinitely worthy, infinitely glorious Son of God came from heaven to earth and went to the cross to take all of your sin on Himself and shed His precious blood, enduring the wrath of God in His own body. That is the only possible way that your sin could be forgiven. And Paul's telling us, whenever you don't examine yourself, 
and you repent of that sin and you come and you flippantly take communion as if nothing is wrong in your life, he's saying you're thumbing your nose at the body and blood of Jesus. You're not discerning what it took to forgive you of those sins. You're treating it like it's no big deal. You're being flippant. He says, for this reason, you're being judged. So Paul echoes Jesus here. He says, fix the problems in your own life. Evaluate yourself. Examine yourself. And we should want to do this. Because true self-examination, it's how we avoid the judgment of God. It's how we avoid it. Listen, you know right now, I, don't, I can't see your hearts. I don't know what you've thought. I don't know what you've said. It's probably for the best that you don't know what I've thought right, and said. That you can't see my heart. If you, if you could, if we could see each other's thoughts and hearts and, and the secret things that go on in our minds, we probably wouldn't talk to each other very much. We'd probably run away from each other screaming because we know there's some real wicked stuff going on in there. I don't know your hearts, but you do. Some of you know that you sat here this morning guilty, condemned before God because you have never repented of your sins and trusted in Jesus. You've maybe played Christian for a number of years. You go to church and maybe even give your offering. You'll... Stand when Philip tells you to stand. You'll bow your heads when I tell you to bow your heads. And you've got no love in your heart for Jesus Christ. You know that if that's true of you. We need to address it. We we don't need to just go about ignoring it like it's no big deal. Because there is coming a day when we will stand before God and give an account. We should want to judge ourselves now. Here and now, because if we do so, and we address that sin, and we repent of our sin, and we put our trust in Jesus, and even as believers, we acknowledge we have messed up, we have sinned against God, we have neglected the holy things of the Lord. When we acknowledge that, Paul says, and Jesus says, we will avoid the judgment of God. And yet, so often we go about with massive planks sticking out of our eye. Our hypocrisy going before us. Self-examination is the cure. It is a healthy part of the Christian life to examine yourself, to detect your own planks, to realize those areas in your life where you have failed, where you need to repent. And even those that are willing to participate in some sort of self-examination, we don't usually go deep enough. We'll ask ourselves, okay, have I... Said any bad words today? No, I don't think so. Did I steal anything from the gas station I was at earlier? No. Did I kill anybody today? I don't think so. Hopefully you haven't. Right? Make us uncomfortable if you have. But most of us will kind of check these cursory boxes and we'll say, okay, well, I've, I've passed. And we'll go about our business. And, and because of that, most of us will never repent of any specific sin. Yet all of us sin every single day. Remember, in this very sermon, it's been a while, right? Because we're, we're working our way through this slowly. But in this sermon, as Jesus has stood here addressing these crowds, He's already told them, 
If you look at another person with lust in your heart, you are an adulterer. If you are harboring hatred and animosity and anger in your heart toward another person, you are a murderer. The first and great commandment we know from Scripture is simply this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Simple, right? And your neighbor is yourself. So let me just state it bluntly here. None of us have kept those two commandments, the first and great commandment and the second one, none of us have kept those commandments perfectly today. Since you woke up this morning. I'm, I'm willing to put whatever amount of money you want on it if I was a gambling person, right? But I would wager that none of us in this room have loved the Lord our God perfectly Every moment of today from the time you've woke up with all your heart, soul, and mind. And you probably haven't loved your neighbor as yourself either. So what does that mean? It means that we all have something we can repent of today. We all have sin we can come before the Lord and confess today. Lord, we have failed to do this. And acknowledge that it is indeed sin. So in order to avoid hypocrisy, Jesus doesn't tell us here in these verses to never judge anyone under any circumstances. He says, again, the grammar is important, first, remove the plank from your own eye, go and repent. But then he says, then, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. He doesn't tell us to leave the speck in our brother's eye, to ignore the speck in our brother's eye. He says, no, you need to remove the speck from your brother's eye, but you've got to address your own issues first. Deal with the plank in your own eye. He doesn't want us walking around with planks in our eyes and specks in our brother's eyes. He wants them both gone. He wants us to see, all of us to see with clear eyes. He expects us to be able to help others, which requires some judgment. But first we have to address our own sins and then we can help out our brother. However, even this requires another degree of judgment or discernment. Because here, Jesus gives us two different sets of instructions. You'll notice if you pay attention in these verses, there's there's two different processes that we should follow. On the one hand, there's the people with the speck in their eyes that we need to help them we, we can help them remove that speck. But then in the very next breath, Jesus ratches it up a whole bunch. He says, don't give dogs what is holy and do not cast pearls before swine. Now these seem like two very different situations. Two very different approaches. Helping someone get a speck out of their eye versus avoiding the dogs and the pigs. So that brings us to our second point here. We need to differentiate our process. You see, there will be times when a brother or sister needs help dealing with a particular sin. It's a speck in their eye that they want out. It's bothering them. They're not happy about the fact that this sin is in their life. And they they need the church to help them remove this speck from their eye. But there are other times when a person is acting like a ravenous wild dog or a pig. We must avoid them altogether. Jesus tells us essentially, don't even waste your time on such a person. But how do we know which one is which? 
Well, in order to do that, we have to do what? We have to judge. We have to determine what situation we're dealing with. What process does this call for? We have to differentiate the way we approach each situation. This is made clear later in the book of Jude. There at the end of the book of Jude, after condemning the false teachers, Jude delivers these instructions to the church. He says, And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating the garment even stained, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. So there's some people in situations that we will encounter that call for mercy. It's interesting here in Jude, actually, out of the three situations that Jude seems to be addressing, two of the three, Jude says, is calling for mercy. We should, as Christians, be willing to be merciful twice as often as we're eager to be harsh. That's the speck that we remove. We are gentle with the person. We are patient with them. Right? You don't remove a speck from someone's eye with a hunting knife. Right? You do it gently, you do it slowly, you do it patiently and kindly, tenderly. That's the mercy that the Christian life calls for. Others though, Jude says, you need to just snatch them out of the fire. Listen, they're walking a dangerous line and you need to be swift and decisive because there's danger. There's no room, there's no time for coddling and tenderness. Their rebellion is such that it demands a swift and decisive response. Other scriptures affirm that there is a time and a place for a more severe approach. In Titus chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, Paul instructs Titus on how to deal with divisive people. Paul says, as for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. This type of person is essentially the same person as the dogs and the pigs that Jesus is talking about in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, have nothing to do with them. Write them off. Warn them once or twice, sure, but if they continue to be divisive, if they continue to stir up trouble in your midst, have nothing more to do with them. A lot of people today would tell the Apostle Paul whenever they read that in Titus, Paul, just stop being so judgmental. Judge not, right? But you see, the same Holy Spirit that inspired Paul to write Titus 3, 10, and 11 was also speaking through Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. There's no contradiction here. You see, the problem isn't with judging itself, but judging hypocritically or hypercritically. We must be willing to exercise judgment, not only for those who are dogs and pigs, but also for those who need mercy and help in removing specks. You see, we have to be willing to differentiate between the two. We have to be willing as Christians to recognize there are situations that call for mercy and there are situations that call for severity. It's hard. It's hard to know the difference between the two. And unfortunately, because of that, We have often failed to do this as a church. Because you see, it's a whole lot easier to just say, okay, we're going to have one approach that applies to everybody. 
And often the approach that we take is not the merciful one. When a single mother walks in with a baby bump but no husband, the church has often treated them not as someone who has a speck in their eye and needs help, but as a divisive person that we don't need to have anything to do with. When a young person starts asking difficult questions, we don't discern the need to be merciful and patient with them. We see that as somebody that we need to shut down. Because it's easier to paint with broad strokes, to condemn everyone who doesn't look like us, talk like us, dress like us, and act like us. And where's that gotten us? What is the end result of all of that? The end result is the world no longer sees the church as a place it can go when it needs help. When it has a speck that it doesn't know how to address. The world instead sees the church as a place full of hypocrites because we have chosen instead of mercy to condemn. And even in our own midst, we now have people that are afraid to stand up and say, church, I need help. I need your prayers. There's a sin. And I can't beat it on my own. I need you, my brother, I need you, my sister, to help me with this. We are too afraid to do that because we've seen so often that when somebody has a speck, we instead say, I don't want anything else to do with you. Church, we have to be willing to differentiate. To say, this person needs mercy, this person needs severity. It takes discernment to know the difference. The true work of a believer begins with being able to know the difference between who needs mercy and who needs severity. The Bible calls us to both. And we have to know when to apply it. With this though, we realize that even though Jude tells us in two of the three situations to exercise mercy, even though Jesus tells us to remove our own planks, then help our brother get the speck out. There are times and there are situations where severity is called for because the threat that is posed is just too great. That's why Jesus encourages us here in the very last verse to defend our pearls. Defend our pearls. You see, there will be times when a person is so resolved to disobey and dishonor God that they that we are to have nothing more to do with them. We've already seen Paul tell Titus, have nothing more to do with the divisive person. Why? Because they are warped and sinful. They're stirring up tri- strife. They're, they're threatening to split and divide the church. We don't need to have anything more to do with that person. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus walks us through the discipline process. He says, first, whenever your brother sins against you, go and confront that person one-on-one over their sin. This should be an effort to help remove a speck. It should be filled with mercy. But when that person sadly refuses our help, when they says, no, thank you, I'll keep this speck. Thank you very much. Jesus says, in that case, you go to the church and you get a couple other trusted brothers or sisters And you go and you try to persuade that person to turn from their rebellion, to turn from their sin, and to walk in obedience. And when they refuse that plea, he says you go and expose their sin before the church, and you treat them as an unbeliever. 
We see this play itself out in Scripture. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul tells us, When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord. Paul says this member of your church, you deliver him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. And people today would say, judge not, Paul. But Paul says this is the will of God. This is spoken by the power of the Spirit. Scripture is clear that there are times and situations that require us to be severe. But not out of spite. Never hypocritically. Only after all avenues of mercy have been exhausted. And why do we do this? Why not just let sleeping dogs lie? Why not let people just continue in their sin and slip away unnoticed? Wouldn't that be easier? Well, not at all. Look at what Jesus says. He says, what's the danger of ignoring it? What's the danger of continuing to to throw your pearls to the pigs? Well, they're going to, to trample on the pearls and destroy them, and then they're going to turn on you and destroy you. You see, pigs and wild dogs are dangerous. Not only were these animals considered unclean in Jewish culture, but they were wild and vicious. I don't know if you've, you've dealt with wild pigs, but those suckers are mean. I remember a few years ago, uh, back at, before we ever moved to Savannah, there, there were some wild pigs that, that started invading Russell County where we lived. And the community rallied and they put out bounties and they said, listen... We've got to get rid of these things. If you see them, shoot them. There's no hunting season for wild pigs. Because they'll destroy your crops, they'll destroy your fences, they'll kill your animals. They're dangerous and destructive. Immediately after, Paul tells the church to hand the person over to Satan in 1 Corinthians 5. He tells us why. Why we have to do this. He says, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Paul tells us a little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little overlooked sin in a church threatens to infect the whole church. It threatens to render us ineffective in the gospel work. It threatens to thwart our gospel ministry in the community. It's dangerous. And we can't let it continue. As a pig threatens to destroy the entire faith community, so Paul says, hand them over to Satan. Have nothing to do with that divisive person. Their divisive spirit... An unaddressed sin, it threatens to infect others. And listen, our young people see it. Our young people see it. They see us turn a blind eye to someone's sin because they've got the right last name. They put the right number of zeros on their offering check. And so we ignore and let them get away with whatever it is they're doing. And our kids see it and they say, well... Didn't you say this is wrong and yet everybody knows that's what this person's doing and, and nobody's addressing it? 
And our children realize that our faith is empty because we don't mean what we say. When we wonder why our children, whenever they get old enough to leave the house, end up walking away from the faith. It's because we let the pigs trample the pearls and they see our hypocrisy. And what are those pearls? They are ultimately nothing less than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 1 that we are to guard the good deposit that has been entrusted to us. That good deposit is the gospel. We, have been, we are, Boone's Creek Baptist Church, stewards of the gospel. Preached in this spot, in this little patch of ground here in Fayette County for 240 years. Preached around the world for 2,000 years. Anticipated ever since the day that Adam and Eve was banished from the Garden of Eden. That same gospel that has changed the world. We are stewards of that gospel. And we must protect it because it is precious. It is the only thing that has the power to save people, to transform lives, to secure a hope of eternal life in heaven. And when we ignore sin, we are thumbing our nose at the gospel. We are not discerning the body of Jesus broken for us, His blood shed for us. We are surrendering the only tool that we have. Unjudged sin is a threat to these things, these precious pearls. Jesus did not go to the cross and shed His blood so that we could toy around with sin, so that we could ignore sin in our midst, so that we could just say, oh, it's not a big deal. I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want to judge. Jesus says, no, it's important enough. You take care of your own sin first. Get the plank out of your eye, then go help that person remove the speck. And if removing the speck isn't enough, then stop putting your pearls in front of pigs. Have nothing more to do with them. We must be ready to defend the holiness of the gospel. Sometimes, sadly, that means that we must exercise some judgment after we have judged ourselves. Therefore, today, as we have the great privilege of participating together in communion, we have an opportunity to do just that. We have an opportunity today to begin putting these things into practice. Before we take together, if you need to judge yourself, if you need to repent of a sin, perhaps it's a sin that you've been holding on to for decades, repent of it. Trust Christ. He is faithful and just to forgive you of that sin. He is eager to forgive you of that sin. Remove the plank from your own eye. If you realize that you've been judgmental when you should have instead been merciful, repent and be ready to ask that person's forgiveness for not helping them remove the speck. And if you realize that you have to this point rejected the precious treasure of the gospel and need to repent and trust Christ today and embrace the salvation that He has provided for us, if you realize that, that your sin is an affront to a holy God and Jesus died so that you would not have to be guilty of that sin any longer, then come and repent and receive the forgiveness that Christ offers freely. Perhaps 
You're someone who's been sitting on the sideline. And you're ready to join the church, to link arms with us as we strive together to defend the precious pearls that Christ has entrusted to us. It's not something that we can do on our own. We need one another. It's why we join together as a church. We need one another to help in this effort. Then you're welcome to come forward as well and announce your intentions today. As we bow together in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to judge ourselves first so that we would not be judged. Lord, I pray that as right now your Holy Spirit is doing its work in the hearts of your people, as we are right now perhaps remembering sins that we have not repented of, I pray that we would take this opportunity to cry out to you right where we sit. And say, Lord, I have sinned against you. Please forgive me, Lord, for neglecting the precious gospel. For ignoring the command to love you with all my heart. Lord, for not loving my neighbor as myself. Lord, we acknowledge that we have planks that we need you to expose so that we can remove. And then, Lord, I pray that as we remove those planks from our own eyes, that you would embolden us as a church to be ready to help others who need it, to be ready to show mercy to those who need mercy, that we would be ready to snatch those out of the fire who need that stern hand. And Lord, I pray that you would draw others to join this congregation, to link arms with us in our effort to defend these precious pearls. Lord, as we sing now, I pray that you would do your work in our hearts, recognizing that the work that needs to be done has already been paid for on the cross by Jesus Christ. It's in His name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about today's sermon or would like more information about Boone's Creek Baptist Church, you can send us an email at boonscreekchurch at gmail.com or you can give us a call at 859-263-5466. You can also find us online at www.boonscreekchurch.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.